0: If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. A couple weeks ago, Matt Doty was here, who happens to be my son, part of the team that we were late with. And he talked about a couple of things. One was that knowing our identity in Christ, who we are, and what gives us value. And then also, the power of our declaration, what we say, are we speaking what God says or what the devil says? The Bible says by two or three is a thing established, and sometimes the devil's just waiting for us to agree with him so that something can be established. I want to follow that up this morning a little bit, but first I want to tell you a little story. I was raised in a, a wonderful home, uh, but in a culture, probably like many of you, if you're my age, that was very performance oriented. Uh, I got approval when I did good things, like got good grades. And I got disapproval if I did bad things. I got my share of disapproval. Uh, I then played sports. I played basketball and tennis. And when we did well and our team won, I felt good about myself. But if we lost, I would feel terrible. Have you ever seen sports like the World Cup and they, they finish and the guys who lose, they end up crying. They just, their, their whole identity is wrapped up in that performance. problem is that I then, without realizing it, began to interact with people that way. And as I got older, I had a couple of instances where I felt rejected. I had a really good friend who wanted me to side with him on something that was contrary to the Bible. And I didn't do that. And he rejected me from being his friend. And I felt a real rejection. And then I've had a couple other experiences with leaders that I felt rejected, and I realized that I'd begun to almost subconsciously, well, it was subconsciously, kind of be suspicious of people, put a little bit of a, a distance or a little bit of a wall. Not that I would keep people out completely, but I wouldn't actually trust people because I kept thinking, I'm going to do something wrong, and they're going to reject me. That's when we get our identity in performance. So I became a perfectionist. I wanted to do everything right. I got perfect grades when I was in school. I was the number 1 in my class every time. I worked hard in sports because I wanted to to be the best wasn't just because I enjoyed doing something, it was because I actually got a sense of value by performing well. None of you have ever done that. So you have no idea what I'm talking about this morning. But we're gonna look at the the word. Ephesians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints... Who are in in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Says that we're blessed. Do you say that you're blessed? I'm going to ask you to just say that. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. See, it's so easy for us to see what we don't have. So easy for us to see the negative, and we agree with the devil about what we don't have rather than what we do have. You ever realize, I, I, was, I said something to Mary yesterday. I'm so glad that I don't have to actually go out to a well and draw water out. I can just turn on the the faucet, the tap, and get water. And as long as my hot water heater works, I can get hot water. You know that even Solomon, the, the wealthiest man in all of history, couldn't do that. And I have this wonderful thing. I can get in my car and I can drive somewhere, and when it's cold, my car has these little buttons I push and the seat gets warm. Talk about extravagance. Nobody else, wealthy people ever could do that. We're incredibly blessed. Yet sometimes we just take it for granted. I'm blessed. goes on and says, just as he chose us in himself, I'm chosen. Think about that. God chose you. Do you believe that? Do you speak that? The power of decoration. I am chosen. Say that. I am chosen. God chose me. See, the thing is, it's not based on what I do. It's not based on my performance. So I struggled with that for years. I'm sharing with you some of my journey here because I Approach God from the same performance base that I approached everything else. If I do all the right things, He'll like me. But if I do something wrong, He's going to be upset. I shared this to you before. When I went to school, I was, first time I went to school, kindergarten, I was five years old. My mother used to, whenever I did something wrong, I would get in trouble, and I would get a spanking. Still believed in spanking in those days. Do you understand what that, is that an American word? Okay, I would get whacked on the bottom with something. And uh, when I went to school, my mom said, you're going to be at school. I don't see you, but God sees you. So you better behave. Now, she never said it, but what happened in my subconscious was when my mom sees me do something wrong, I get spanked. So, obviously, if God sees me do something wrong, I'm going to get spanked by God. I don't really want to get spanked by God. He's really big. I was five, <laughs> he has a really big spoon. So, I had this wrong image. Yet this says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us. He chose you before you did anything. He didn't choose you because you did all the right stuff. Having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Christ Jesus to himself. I'm adopted. He chose me. Had a friend who uh, was adopted. His parents had died and he was adopted by this family into their family. And when he was young, he was being teased by some kids at school because he was adopted. And he said, <laughs> you can't tease me. My family chose me. Yours got stuck with you. See, adoption goes with choosing. (laughs) To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Not only has he chosen us, but he's accepted us. Do you ever say, I'm accepted by God? Can you say that? I'm accepted. I'm accepted by God. See, some of you are, are finding it more difficult because we have this thing, if I do all the right things, I'm accepted. Accepted literally means I'm graced with grace. It literally means unearned, unmerited, no matter what I do. He accepts me. Goes on and says, in him, we have Redemption. I'm redeemed. That means he actually paid a price for me. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, I'm forgiven. Now I know that none of you have ever done anything wrong. I'm the only one who has. So I need to hear this that because of Jesus, God forgives me. He doesn't make me jump through hoops. He just, because I come to him, he forgives me. I'm gonna jump over one more. In chapter two, verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship. That's a wonderful word. It's actually a creative word. The Greek word it means something like a poem, but it's actually masterpiece. We're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. Have you ever said, I'm his masterpiece? See, everything in our culture says you're not. Everything in our culture <laughs> points out what isn't good I don't have enough hair, my hair's white, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too something, we look at those things and we see ourselves based against some sort of standard and we all fall short. And when we say those things, we're agreeing with the devil because he's behind those values. God says, you're my masterpiece. Richard is God's masterpiece. Johan is God's masterpiece. Christine is God's masterpiece. Think about that. How do you look at other people? How do you look at yourself, but how do you look at others? Are you God's masterpiece? Our declarations are we agreeing with the devil? Are we agreeing with what God says? I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm accepted, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm God's masterpiece. Does something different than I'm not good enough. I'm rejected. Because my friend rejected me, it confirmed that performance orientation that if I do something that someone else doesn't like, I have three sons. You met one of them a couple weeks ago. No matter what they do, they're still my son. That doesn't mean that we always have relationship because there's a choice in that. But it does mean that they're still my son no matter what they do. Okay, back over to Ephesians 1. We're going to jump to verse 19. says, just to to make it short a little bit, basically that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenlies. We're gonna talk about from next week what that actually means. The heavenlies is not some place. If you go past Venus and go a little ways farther, there is a place called heaven up there. It's actually the spirit realm. And we're gonna talk about the spirit realm from next week. And, And there's a whole lot here, but it says this seated at his right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and power and might and dominions, talking about other authorities. And we'll get into that. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and put all things under his feet. Now, the Bible actually says, and put all under his feet. Okay, the word things isn't there. It's added by the translators because they think it, sometimes they add things that make it easier for us to understand. But it actually says, and put all under his feet and gave him to be head over all things. To be head is not there. It actually says, and gave him head over all to the church. See, it almost sounds like it made him to be head over the church. No, he's head over all. He's put all principalities, powers, authorities, might under him. He's head over all, and he's given him who is head over all to the church. That's an amazing thought. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, and You. Now you understand that in what was originally spoken by God in the Word, there were no verses and there were no chapters. Those were added to make it easy for us to find things. They weren't there in the beginning. There was no grammar in Greek from the standpoint that there's no periods and commas. There is grammar in that every word determines its place in the in the sentence. But what this actually says, because it says here, and you, he made alive. He made alive isn't there. It was added because the translators felt that with the break in the chapter, it coincided with something farther along. But without the break, it actually doesn't coincide with something farther along. It coincides with something previous. It says this. He put all under his feet and gave him head over all to the church and you who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Are you getting the picture here? He's saying, This is who you are in Christ. And he's saying, Jesus, who was head over all, was given by God to the church, but not just the church. The church is this kind of general thing. The church is an organization. The church is people. And so that you understand that it's not just some general thing. He was given head over all to the church and to you. Even while you were dead and trespasses and sin. The goodness and the love of God. Do you see what happens when what we say is agreeing with the devil rather than agreeing with God? It robs us of the exceeding greatness of his power that's at work in us, as Fiona said, every one of us because we're agreeing that we can't. We're agreeing with the devil that says we're not good enough. We're saying, no, he can't use me. He could use Tim, but he couldn't use me. He could use Glenn, but he can't use me. Yet the Bible says that Jesus, head over all, has been given to the church and to you. That doesn't mean Jesus is in your back pocket not been given to you that you can pull out, it means that you've actually entered into a covenant with the king of the universe. This love with which he loved us basically says this, I'm in covenant with God, and he is in covenant with me. When was the last time you said that? God's in covenant with me. God, the king of the universe, Jesus, who all things are under him, God whom the heavens and the highest heavens can't contain, is in covenant with me. Isn't that an incredible thought? Not only am I in covenant with God. See, I was raised in a thing in an understanding of covenant, but it was always from the standpoint I'm in covenant with God. I have to fulfill my responsibilities of the covenant. I have to do the things I'm supposed to do because I'm in covenant with God. And it never quite dawned on me that God's in covenant with me. He's actually chosen me. It changes how we look at ourselves, but it also changes how we look at others. He is in covenant with I. I better treat it right. We're going to share communion. The reason we're doing this because it's a reminder of covenant. Communion is not a magic pill. It's not a secret formula that if I do it, something happens. It's simply bread and juice. But it's a reminder. But it's a reminder that God's in covenant with us. And let me tell you if you take that reminder and it's mixed with faith, the God whom the heavens and the highest heavens can't contain is in covenant with me. That means everything He has, He makes available. Do I need healing? He's more than able. Why? Because I took some bread and just No, because I was reminded I'm in covenant. And he can break in. Have I felt rejected and hurt? Yeah. That's how the world works. But he says, no, I've chosen. You're accepted. I'm in covenant with you. Everything changes when we understand what that means. See, covenant is not just an idea. It's a person. It's a relationship. And when we're reminded of that, that we can come into his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is life forevermore. In his presence is healing. In his presence is provision. In his presence is protection. It's his presence that makes us different. So as we take communion, I want to encourage you. As you take it, don't take it from the standpoint, what have I done wrong? Take it from the standpoint that in Christ... I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm accepted, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm his masterpiece, and he is in covenant with me. Can you do that this morning? We have this stuff up here. You're going to have to come and get it, because I'm not taking it to all of you. Uh, Would you stand with me? If you would like to, uh, Tim, would you? Come and grab the guitar. Yeah, can you move the table over here? Or just put it somewhere up here in front so you don't have to crawl over all that stuff. Jesus said as often as you do this You do it in remembrance of me. Not an event, but a person. He didn't say as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of something that happened. You do it in remembrance of me. The fact that we're in covenant together. invite you if you'd like to come and take some bread and some juice and just for the sake of access if you just grab it and take it back to your seat Uh, if you stand here then obviously we're going to be a bit crowded Uh, if you've never entered into covenant with Jesus Jesus can this morning. He's saying, this is my body broken for you. He reaches across the table with the cup and says, I choose you for covenant. And if you would like to come and take that, if you never have, you're invited to. So you can enter into covenant with him. Lord, we just stand humbled. you actually chose me, an insecure, rejected, perfectionist, and that you bring freedom. Lord, I stand humbled that I'm accepted in you and that you actually to reach a hurting world through every single one of us by your grace and the power of your spirit lord we're in covenant we recognize that and so as we take this now lord i just ask that whatever the need is if there is a need that you would touch and meet it whether it's salvation Forgiveness, redemption, healing, provision. Lord, it's in you. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name.